In case you're wondering if the lights going on off is part of the laser light show for the new, it's not. There's a little malfunction in the lights right now, and so occasionally they just go on and off randomly. So we're going to say it's the Holy Spirit, right, helping us out with our worship, okay? Let's pray together. We're going to dig into the book of Revelation again this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we open your word with great anticipation because we need a word from you, Lord. We need to hear from you this morning. So Jesus, we trust that you'll be faithful and that you'll be speaking to each of the people in the room, each one of us, that you'll give us a word that we can take home with us today to encourage us in our walk with you. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, and in your name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. So in the days of the wild, wild west, pioneering was a big deal. People set out for the west with a dream of reaching the promised land, with a dream of making a better life for themselves. There was gold, there was land, there was cattle, there was adventure. One of those trails was the Santa Fe Trail leading to Santa Fe, New Mexico. It was a 700-mile journey from Missouri to Santa Fe, New Mexico, largely unknown, uncharted territory. And people set out, 300,000 of them set out between 1821 and 1880, heading south and west down the Santa Fe Trail. Now, every trail has rest stops. One of the rest stops that grew up was in, uh, outside of what is now known as Independence, Missouri. It was along the Blue River. It was a farm that was started by a guy, and it became known as Blue Camp 20. It was a rest stop set up for those on the Santa Fe Trail trying to make their way to Santa Fe. They needed a place to stop and rest and regroup and get their provisions and get ready for the long journey ahead. It's called a camp because it's supposed to be a temporary rest stop where you stop temporarily to get yourself together for the rest of the journey that's ahead of you. It was called 20 because it was 20 miles from the start of the Santa Fe Trail. One pioneer wrote about this camp this. At 6 o'clock, we reached Blue Camp 20, which marks the separation between civilized and uncivilized life. Beyond are the vast plains. Now, inevitably, what happened was people that stopped to rest there temporarily got comfortable. They kind of liked it in Blue Camp 20. They thought, why would I continue 700 more miles through the vast wilderness fighting rattlesnakes and hunger and all kinds of other issues along the way? I could just settle down here and make a life for myself here at Blue Camp 20. So they started to start businesses there. They built a business of selling liquor, fixing wagon wheels, selling provisions, shoeing horses. And eventually, Blue Camp 20 became a settlement. And eventually, the settlement became a town. And it got a new name. It was called Little Santa Fe, representing, basically, a miniature version of the original dream that these people had set out to achieve, which was Santa Fe, New Mexico, 700 miles away. Now, I think Blue Camp 20 is a great parable for a lot of us in the modern-day American church. When we first find Jesus or realize there's this Jesus thing, we're pumped. We see this dream of, like, all the things Jesus wants to do in our lives and throw our church out there. We set off down the trail. And somewhere along the way, we stop to rest at Blue Camp 20. And then eventually we settle and become comfortable. You know, things get kind of settled and organized and... No longer are we really excited about the pioneering journey of whatever Jesus might have out there. We're like, this is good enough. I can just stop here, rest here. This will be, be good. And the more people that join us in Blue Camp 20, 
The bigger the town grows, the more comfortable we get. And we start losing that passionate dream of changing the world and building the kingdom of Jesus in the world wherever we happen to go. The book of Revelation reminds me a little bit of this thing because this book is a letter written to seven churches who have actually settled. They decided to camp at Blue Camp 20. They decided they've gone far enough with this Jesus stuff. They just want to settle down now and keep it going. Now, for many of us, this is a super strange book, true? All these weird images, visions, pictures. It's hard to make sense of all these. It's called apocalyptic literature. It's actually meant to encourage and provide hope for the present day. These images are meant to keep people moving forward, not settling. Pushing forward faithfully on the path that God has for them, Jesus has for them, to pursue that with courage and obedience. These images represent a relationship between Jesus and his church. The church is the one who is following the new ruler, the new king, to the new kingdom, the new reality, where the resurrected Jesus is setting up the reign and rule of God. Now, I believe that the letter that John wrote must have meant something for the people of that day. That means it can't just be about predicting, you know, Russia's going to attack this, and China's going to join up, and they're going to come now. You've read all this stuff, right? All these predictions of the future. It had to mean something for the churches that actually got the letter. They were being persecuted by imperial Rome. Many of them were losing their lives for following Jesus. John is writing this letter, as Greg talked about last week, from an island where he's in prison, on an island in a cave, and he's having these visions. And their job is to walk faithfully and obediently with the Lord in spite of all the persecution. Now, you've seen those pop-up ads in your computer, right, that pop up and kind of interrupt your thing? This is my mind. My mind does a pop-up ad all the time. But right now, I'm going to give you a pop-up ad. Next Sunday morning, 8.45, if you want to come. Rebecca Wilson and I are going to be doing a class up in the upper room on the book of Revelation for the next three Sundays. So we'll take you deeper into these images, these apocalyptic literature. There's my little pop-up ad commercial. Back to the sermon. You with me? All right. Now, John is telling these churches, don't settle. Don't settle. Don't get comfortable. Don't give up on the dream of what Jesus called you to pursue. Don't give up on all the things Jesus has for you. And John gives us, I think, three blue camp 20s to avoid as we walk with Jesus faithfully and obediently. The first one, don't settle for a picture of Jesus that is less than the resurrected Jesus who is reigning at the right hand of God. When most of us hear Jesus, we picture the Jesus who walked around the earth for 33 years. You know, the Jesus in the flesh with the white robe and the brown hair and the beard. But we forget how big Jesus is, how cosmic, how eternal, how Jesus is fully God. And not only that, he's now existing as the resurrected king of the universe, the Lord of heaven and earth. Look what John writes in the first chapter of Revelation. When I turned to see the one who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like a mighty ocean, like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. Catch those images. Hair white like wool. He has 
eternal wisdom, burning eyes. He has the insight that only God can have. A sword comes out of his mouth because whatever he speaks comes true. Doesn't he need to hold a sword in his hand to defeat his enemies? He just speaks and his enemies are defeated. And he's so humongous that he's brighter than the most brilliant sun you could ever look into with your eyes. This is the Jesus that we worship here. This is the Jesus that we're supposed to be pursuing. Juan Carlos Ortiz, a South American pastor, says this. 33 years on earth for Jesus is like 33 cents in a billionaire's pocket. The whole book of Revelation is built on the foundation of a huge and cosmic Jesus with all the power, all the authority, and all the ability to be present in ways within groups of people. So this Jesus, this resurrected Jesus, he plants himself in people. Yeah. You and I, we can invite him in. He plants himself inside of you. That Jesus. He plants himself inside of a church like this. Those lampstands they're talking about, those represent the presence and power of Jesus in a church. When the lampstand gets picked up and moves, you might as well shut the church down. Because now the presence and power of Jesus has left the building. We're just doing a bunch of human religious ritual, which is really pointless. So you want to make sure that you stay connected to the lampstand of Jesus. You want to make sure that you have an encounter with the resurrection, resurrected Jesus. This is what makes church, church. It really what sets us apart. We've encountered the resurrected Jesus. We've, we've experienced his presence and power, hopefully. So our job is to seek the presence of this resurrected Jesus. Now, some people might say, well, how do you do that exactly? Well, that's what I love about Alpha. Uh, this afternoon, when we do our Alpha class, Nikki Gumbel will invite the participants to invite the Holy Spirit with their hands like this to be part of their life, to invite the resurrected and power and presence of Jesus to enter their lives. If you haven't experienced this, then you haven't experienced church. You might say, well, how do I, how do, I do this? Well, I, I've said this before. I think I even told this story a few years ago, but I was at my mother-in-law's house years ago. I was reading this devotional. This lady, I don't know who it was. I can't remember her name, but she wrote about wanting to know the presence of Jesus in her life, wanting to be aware of it every day where she walked. So she asked God to give her these ladybugs. Every time she saw a ladybug, to be reminded of the presence and power of Jesus around her. So I read this and thought, okay, ladybugs, I need something more manly. So I said, monarch butterflies. Much more manly, don't you think? So I said, I said God, I want, I want you to give me, every time I see a monarch butterfly, I want you to remind me of the presence and power of Jesus. So I started telling this story at camp to kids. I was talking to three middle school girls in the, being in this one camp week, and we're standing there talking. And as they're talking to me, they point to my shoulder. A monarch butterfly has landed on my shoulder. I said, oh, that's the presence and power of Jesus. I mean, not the monarch butterfly, but he's reminding me that he's here with me. So I started telling this story to kids, and I told kids, look, if you ask God, you're not testing God to say, Lord, Jesus, I need your presence and your power, right? I need, I need to know your presence and power in my life. So I told the kids, go ask God to show his presence and power to you. Jesus, show up in my life. One girl, she said, she told me this story later. She said, I thought you were full of baloney. She used a stronger word, but I can't say it in church. <laughs> and she said, you know, I think, I, think, I think this guy's crazy. So she said, I went out in the woods. And I stood in the woods and I said, okay, Jesus, if you're really real, 
I want a deer with antlers. Forget the monarch butterflies, I want a deer with antlers. And she stood there for five minutes in the woods, and she said, see, I knew this speaker was full of baloney. And she turned around to go back to camp, and right behind her was standing a deer with antlers in her path. And she came back to camp that night, and she told me, man, you were telling the truth. This is what happened to me this afternoon in the woods. Guys, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, wants to be part of your life. He wants you to encounter him. Don't settle for a lesser Jesus. Go after the resurrected Jesus, the one we just saw on the screen, with the blazing eyes and the white hair and wool and the, the blazing face is so bright. The power of Jesus, that's what sets us apart from the world. So that's the first camp that, that Revelation says, get out of that camp, move on, get going. The second camp is this one. Don't settle for a vision of church that is less than what Jesus died for. Don't settle for a vision of church that is less than what Jesus died for. Now, if you read Revelation chapter 5, it opens with a scroll. The scroll's got writing on both sides. There are seven seals on the scroll. John is having this vision, and the, there's an angel asking, who is worthy to open this scroll? This scroll represents the culmination of all human history, the plan that God sent in motion before time began. Someone has to bring this plan about. Someone has to get it in motion. Someone has to make it happen. Who is worthy to do so? They're looking all over heaven. And John is actually crying, weeping, because no one can be found to open the scroll, to bring about the culmination of God's plan. And then the angel points and says, there's the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb who's been slaughtered for the sins of the world. He's won the victory over sin and the grave, and he is worthy to open the scroll and bring about the culmination of history. And when the Lamb takes the scroll, the angels start to sing these words. And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. I love this song. It's, it's a true picture of the church. God is establishing a people that will reign on the earth, that will help him establish his reign and rule on the earth, that will help him build his kingdom. That's why the lamb was slaughtered. That's the people he ransomed. People to help him build the kingdom and join the king in what he's doing. Too many of our views of church are too small. We think church is this. This is just the like rally place to get ready to go. This isn't church. This is just the start, right? This is, the, this is cool. This is awesome. I love it. I come every week. But it's just the beginning. Jesus died and ransomed us so we could actually go in the world and carry his presence and power that we've encountered into the world to change the world in supernatural ways that are way beyond us. So don't buy a vision of the church that's just lesser than that. You know, when you have people that understand this, no matter where they are in the world, the presence and power of Jesus released through their lives. Do you know some of our missions partners, Nurme Missions? We've talked about them a lot. You've met them. They've been here in Africa. Outside of, outside of uh, Mombasa, they're in Gotani, Kenya, Africa. We actually helped them build a school last year. Do you know that this week, fourth and fifth grade is starting at that school? They have now almost 200 kids at this school. 
started with 20. Okay, check it, check out this video. So our resources are helping to fund that ministry. That is an amazing investment in the presence and power of Jesus in the world. Do you know those missionaries in the last year have started three churches? And the church in the dump site, because of the power and presence of Jesus in their lives, 50 people became followers of Jesus in the first three months. 50 people. Can we say that here? New followers of Jesus in a dump site in outside of, outside of Gotani, Kenya, Africa. They've planted two other churches, one in a village that's all Muslim. It's amazing what's going on. I get these, we get these videos all the time. Our missions team, we get these videos and these stories. It's unbelievable because when the presence and power of Jesus is in your life and you embrace it and you go on the journey he has for you, you don't camp at Blue Camp 20. Abel and Krista, they're like blazing the trail of Santa Fe. And God's just showing up in amazing ways. It's amazing. It's awesome. One last one. Don't settle for an experience in worship that cheats you of the chance to join the passionate worship of the angels who are constantly praising the Lamb. Did you catch that? Don't settle for an experience in worship that cheats you of the chance to join the passionate Worship of the angels who are constantly praising the Lamb. Check this out, Revelation 5. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne of the living beings and, and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and in the sea, they sang blessing and honor and glory. And power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever. And have a new song, a mighty chorus, passionately honoring the Lamb of God. Man, you ever been part of that kind of worship? Angelic kind of singing, passionate, honoring Jesus worship? There's nothing like it. You have to get outside your inhibitions. You have to stop thinking about like what you're going to look like. You just got to act like a kid. And you see these kids up here? They don't care. They don't care. They can care less of what you think of them. We're so busy worried about, oh, man, I don't want to oh, raise my hand, not sit down, sit down, stand up. Sit down. We don't know. We're all freaked out. Focus on the lamb. Focus on the lamb. Be sold out for the lamb in your worship. Sing your head off to the lamb. You know, Revelation is pleading with us to launch out from Blue Camp 20. 
to get our passion and dreams for the kingdom back, to go into the vast unknown territory. I'll, tr I'll trust you, Jesus always joins you when you follow the vast unknown place you never thought you'd go. He always shows up in your life in powerful ways. It's amazing. We don't do this to achieve something for Jesus. We do this to achieve a deeper connection with the resurrected Jesus and his purposes and his presence and his power in the world. So where have you settled? Where's your blue camp 20? Where have you said, this is far enough, I'm not going any farther? I encourage you this week to go after it because when you're running to people with the presence of Jesus, it's contagious, it's life-changing. I'll close with this. Um, when I was in Colorado a few years ago, a Catholic priest brought his group there. He had his collar on the whole week. He did mass every day at 4.30 for his kids. At first I thought, oh boy, this guy's going to think I'm nuts. Right? He's going to think all this worship, this crazy worship is crazy. But as I talked with him, he had the resurrection presence and power of Jesus in his life. He loved the talks, he loved the worship. I would say i become friends with this guy, Father Matt in Detroit. Amazing dude. Totally on fire. Totally on fire for the power and presence of the resurrected Jesus and wants his kids of his church to get this, to catch this, right? To grab this. Okay? Let's do this, church. Let's do this. You with me? Let's get out of Blue Camp 20. Let's go blaze some trails. Right? Get on the Santa Fe Trail. Let's go on the Jesus Trail. All right, here we go. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, we all get comfortable sometimes, and we get camped in places where we know we kind of have it under control. Jesus, as we uh, think about our following of you and the things you're calling us after, we pray you give us the courage, the power, your presence. And Lord, push us into new horizons, new places we never thought we could go. In your mighty name and for your kingdom's sake, we pray this. Amen.